it's nerve-wracking because it's like opening a whole new restaurant again and we're going to be launching a whole new menu it's going to be completely different to what we did before it's still a tasting menu but a whole new menu which i am so excited about because paul's cooking is so so good this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep The last few months have forced the industry to rethink business models, the way we earn a living, and made us rethink how we live our lives. While many have switched to takeaway and developed alternate restaurant models, some have kept their doors closed until the right moment to re-emerge from hibernation becomes apparent. Kylie Javier Ashton is an award-winning professional and the general manager of one of Australia's most highly regarded restaurants. Momofuku Siobo. Kylie, Momofuku's been closed for months. What's what's it felt like? Um, well, I guess it was at the beginning it was incredibly tough. Like, you know, it was the right decision for us, but you just kind of like a part of you, it feels like a part of you was just gone missing. Um, you know, we spend so much of our time in the restaurant and it is such a big part of who I am um so it was yeah it was a bit strange I had a bit of a an identity crisis I guess um and yeah just I mean in a way it was good for me personally because I needed a little bit of time out I was feeling extremely burnt out at the beginning of the year so it gave me this break that I really needed but at the same time um it's really hard to also feel like maybe you're not doing enough you know like you question everything um to hear that you're non-essential is pretty devastating when you build your life around a career and have it all sort of just disappear in a moment is just, that was difficult for sure. You just briefly touched on that you um, needed some time out earlier on in the year. And I I actually remember you posting something on Instagram, sort of sharing that um, you were feeling burnt out and you needed some um, some time for self-reflection and self-care. Um, and it's, it's a common thought in the industry of people um, burning out and just putting so much energy into their careers. Can you tell us a little bit about that period? Yeah, so I think it was, it's been building for probably the last year um, and it was just something that I kind of kept pushing aside and just trying to get to, you know, the next month or the end of the year and I got to the end of last year and I was just, I had, I felt like I just had nothing left and I was getting pretty bad anxiety and really struggling to get to work. Um, I actually took some time off away from work. I took about a month off work at the end of January, I think it was at the beginning of February. Um, and you know, I came back feeling a little bit better, but you know, just still trying to push through, I guess. Um, I, you know, you build your life around a restaurant or at least I I did um, and so much of your identity is tied up in that and I guess I kind of just felt like I didn't really know who I was anymore, who Kylie was, you know, apart from all the 
things that I did. I was sort of filling my life with, um, I don't know, tasks and, you know, trying to help and do more and I never felt like I could do enough and, you know, I'd, I'd built this like persona for myself or in my own mind about like what I did and what I represented and, you know, so much of it is tied up in ego too. Um, and, yeah, I just sort of was felt – I just felt so burnt out and really empty in the end and I just felt like everybody wanted something from me and I didn't really have anything left to give. So that was tough and I was already sort of facing that. So when COVID hit, you know, it was – it was a welcome break personally for me uh, and I feel a bit guilty saying that because I know that, you know, people have been so badly affected by COVID and so many people have died and perhaps we don't really feel the weight of that in Australia as much. But, you know, talking to, yeah, a lot of our restaurants in the States and what they're going through and seeing like the weight of what this means um, I, you know, I definitely know that we've, we've felt it here, but there was a, a, a little bit of guilt in that kind of feeling relieved that I didn't have to answer to anyone all of a sudden and I could just be on my own. Um, but then also... I think you're not alone in feeling that. Yeah. Because, you know, the industry, as you're saying, a lot of people find their identity in it and they also don't have time to breathe because it's such a high velocity industry to be in. And I think this moment to pause, I think a lot of people have actually felt a relief in that manner, That, but it doesn't mean they haven't had empathy for what's been going on. Yeah, for sure. And it's just sort of that balance, right? Being, having that awareness and the empathy for what's going on in the world, um, but also having the ability to take time for yourself and you know if you can't take care of yourself then you can't take care of other people which is so 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 important um and you know going back now and feeling ready to get back into the world is great and I am realizing now just how far along I had got in terms of burnout and how that was affecting my mental health really severely and that was affecting my performance at work and my personal life and my health, um, it was affecting everything. So there was no way I could really be my best self in any scenario at that point. Can you tell us about the last couple of months while the restaurant's been shut, sort of what you've been doing and, and how you've been feeling um, seeing what's been happening to, you know, your friends in the industry and how they've been adapting and evolving? It's been you know, I, I guess like everybody, it's been ups and downs. Um, like I said, you know, those, that relief of not having your inbox just pinging every second and people wanting something constantly has just been a really great relief. Feeling helpless with the restaurant, that's another thing that has been on my mind. Um, really not you know, you watch other businesses being able to pivot or go to takeaway and that was not really an option for us. Um, so, you know, there are so many stakeholders. We're not an independent restaurant, independently owned, where Paul and I, like, you know, can make all of the decisions. There are other parties that are involved in that 
decision making. So some of, well, a lot of that was out of our hands for for a certain period of time. Um, so to, f- you know, that feeling of helpless helplessness, and was really tough. I also just went off social media for most of the lockdown because I also felt this guilt, like I wasn't really doing anything. Like I, you know, I would see other restaurants trying new things or going to takeaway and the, that thought that I wasn't contributing to the conversation about COVID. I felt a little bit guilty about that, but also like that helplessness where I'm like, well, like at this point we don't have a choice. Um, so I just, that constant stream of information and then the news, you know, like I've never watched the news more than what I have in the last few months. Um, I think everyone's in that boat. Yeah. <laughs> like it, there's just so much information to absorb and you want to be sort of ready to, uh, when things, you know, when things did start to open, we wanted to be ready and start thinking about that. But at the same time, things were moving so quickly and, what, you know, I was speaking to um, some of our restaurants in the States. I was talking to friends who were in Asia who were going were at different parts of coronavirus or lockdowns and, you know, the messaging is so different. I mean, the, the whole mask debate that's coming up in Australia now is, is, is a big one. But, you know, like I think where everyone was at such different places and it was really hard for me to just – pull out the information that was important to me and that was going to help me get through the next, you know, two or three months or however long it was going to be. We just had no idea at that stage. So, yeah, I think that that was, that was hard, like just knowing what information to take on and that overwhelming sense of like there's just so much out there, you know, um, and then for the restaurant, just feeling like helpless too. Um, and not really knowing like, you know, when they started to do 10 people, we could, and then so quickly it moved to 50 people. Um, you know, like as we're a tiny, tiny restaurant. So with a big, with a big staff, like being in a fine dining restaurant, you you need a big workforce to be able to execute that kind of menu. And so it wasn't a matter of just, you know, us going in and making some fried chicken sandwiches like that. Again, like it just, what works for some people just doesn't work for everybody else, for, for other people, I guess. It's with Momofuku Siobe, when you think of that, people think of you and they think of Paul and they've also thought of Ben Greeno in, in the past before Paul came along. And often it's just the chef, but, the real identity of Momofuku in Australia, you know, you're a massive part of that and, you know, you've got a team underneath you. What, how does it feel being the general manager with that sort of obligation and also that sort of status within the industry? Um, I, I guess that's probably part of what was my big breakdown at the beginning of the year. Like I felt like so much pressure um, to be sort of this – role model and, you know, I, I guess living up to people's expectations and wanting this, the experience to just be, you know, everything that people wanted it to be. And, you know, like I love what I do and I just want to make people happy. And 
sometimes you can't do that. And sometimes I think you take so much of that on as like a personal, um, like a personal, um, what's the word? I can't even really speak anymore. A mission. And that's kind of, you know, I was putting all this pressure on myself and that's when I was just, when I felt like I, I kind of broke down. And then this this space from the restaurant and um, having time for myself and to have self-care, I guess like you just sort of realise that it is, it's so ego-driven, you know, like I got into this industry because, it was so fun when I first started in it, you know, like a lot of people, it wasn't my preferred um, career. But when I sort of started working in hospitality, I realized it could be a career and it was just, it was fun. And I love looking after people and I'm really proud of what we've created at Sayobo. And I think that I just wanted to sort of strip away all of the other expectations of getting everything right and perfect and, you know, meeting these expectations that I set for myself or I think other people set for me. And, you know, I, I became paralyzed at one point where I would, you know, even just posting something on my personal Instagram, I would overthink it so much thinking, oh, you know, I haven't posted in a while. Maybe I should explain myself and I'm like this is so convoluted like if I want to post a picture and it's got like a ridiculous caption or whatever like why am I overthinking this you know and so I I I think I'm just trying to not think about that and be grateful for like being part of a restaurant that is so special that I care about um, and you know, like things are going to change and we also have to be super adaptable in these new times. So I think that that's kind of nice to just have that pressure off and sort of start again. And look at this point, like, I think that we've all realized that awards and reputation and all of those things are really lovely and they give you that validation. But at the end of the day, like all of that, everything, like your restaurant can close tomorrow. Right. So how important is that? Like it's good because I, I definitely think that it helps with, you know, getting your name out there and it helps promote your restaurant. But there is also this underlying ego that is, becomes associated with so much of that praise, I guess. And it's something that I'm really trying hard not to focus on and not put too much weight on as in as being important. It's like we just we're just doing our job and if people like it then that's great and if they don't then we just need to feel confident in what we do and who we are and always be honest in in what we're delivering. What's it been like you'd mentioned earlier that you've got quite a big workforce there what's it been like working and dealing with staff through this time while the restaurant's been shut? Um you know I think that we try to keep our team vibe going and it got so so many of us through max our sommelier still organized wine training every week which was really fun so we'd do that over zoom and some of our suppliers were so amazing in supporting us through that they would come and drop wine off at our at our apartments wow um yeah it was it was just 
so great. Connor, um, who's one of our our suppliers, was probably like the champion of that. He helped us organize a couple of of wine tastings and personally drove all the wine samples around to our apartment so that we could all jump on Zoom. And, you know, we had one with Mac Forbes who we wouldn't normally be able to have a wine training with him because he's interstate or it would, you know, we would have to plan that months in advance. But, you know, so there was there was things like that and we did a couple of trivia nights just you know, we're never at home on a Friday night, but everyone was at home. So we gave away some prizes and just tried to keep that team vibe going, um, which was really nice. Coming back, we haven't, you know, we were restricted. We've, we've been restricted with how many of our team we can actually bring back. And that's also really hard, like not, not being able to, yeah, have – all of our our team back like you know we will be reopening the restaurant with just three front of house people so just the managers um and that that's been probably one of the hardest um parts of of reopening that there have been so many casualties in our industry and look i i know that we are definitely not alone um but that's yeah, that's been heartbreaking, I guess. Just you work so hard to create an amazing team and I've been really lucky to have wonderful people work on my team and to have that reduced to three people. And, you know, I guess like if anything that just that divide between kitchen and front of house is really not there at all anymore. Like we're really trying to go into this next iteration of Sayoba was just one team there's no um there's no divide between front of house back of house kitchen we're all really going to have to pull together and make this happen regardless of what your expertise or um you know your role is in this we're one team it's one team one dream so um yeah that'll be exciting but I think I'll miss a lot of the people that won't be coming back with us a little earlier, you mentioned that it was out of your hands, the closure of the restaurant during this time, because there's so many stakeholders involved and the restaurant is inside mm-hmm. the star complex and there's so many elements to it. But what what triggered the decision to, to reopen now? I mean, you know, if it was up to Paul and I, we, I'm sure like we would have tried to get open earlier, but we're, we're a business and you have to make, money to be able to be open and I think like that was probably like the biggest thing is ensuring that if we bring our team back we can you know we can do it in a way that we can pay everybody and we can bring as much of our team back as possible so you know like trying to work that out the restaurant itself when we reopen is going to change quite a lot um so and we had to do that because there's no way we could have reopened the same way we had operated when we closed in at the end of March. There's just no way. Um, so we had to rethink everything and that takes time. Um, you know, there, there's no way we would have been able to open at the 10 and then once they announced the 50 and then went 
over that, I mean, it doesn't really matter to us because we're only very small. But with our with the four square meter rule, we're only allowed twenty seven people in the whole restaurant, where we would normally operate with forty two, you know, around forty forty plus um, seats in the restaurant. So you know, just with that, you, we had to okay, like, how do we? make this viable how do we it's like you know reorganizing a whole jigsaw and that took time as well um yeah it just a lot of thought had to go into like how we could reopen and make it possible with what we we had um so and look we're still we haven't opened yet um I'm not gonna say I don't know if it's gonna you know how things will go. Like I said, we have to be really adaptable and just ready to, to change. And uh, as, as things roll out and, um, and then, you know, look, look, this, everything that's going on right now with Melbourne and, um, cases happening in New South Wales, every, everything sort of feels like it's on a knife's edge, you know? And again, I kind of don't want to like overthink it too much and be able to enjoy this time of being back in the restaurant and being with our team again. But, um, I guess you just have to be ready for anything and be able to, to adapt quickly. Um, which isn't always easy for, for a restaurant like us. Well, what have you enjoyed about this period just recently of getting the team back together and trying to uh, reopen the restaurant? And will we see something a bit different from you guys? Yeah, for sure. I think that we're trying to reimagine the restaurant, like everything about the restaurant. We want to – there's definitely been an evolution in ourselves throughout this time. Um, and. We want to be able to to honor what we've been through, you know. I um I really admire what Rene did when he reopened Noma, where he did it as just a burger joint to begin with. And because I can kind of I really I can really empathize with that, like you mourning a loss of what you had, you know, and things are never gonna go back to March 2020. I like I honestly don't think that we can just pretend none of this ever happened, have half the number of seats in the restaurant and go on like nothing happened, you know. We've all changed as people and the restaurant if it's going to survive and we're going to make it sustainable has to has to change as well. Not only for coronavirus, whatever happens in the future, you know, like we don't want to find ourselves in a position where we've been told like you're non-essential, you know, like we want to we want to build a restaurant for the future, making, you know, taking into consideration everything we've learned. So, look, I think that a lot of restaurants are evolving. We have to evolve just because of the actual restrictions and you know, to, to be COVID safe. But I also think that like, this is our opportunity to just like all those things. It's like cleaning house, you know, it's a hard reset. And the other day we, we literally went through and we cleaned house. We threw out so many things. I was like, you know what? 
I hate these. I hate how we used to always use these. And we just, you know, we were just, we were just like so stuck in this routine that we just kept like, I don't know, old bill folders that we had for like the last eight years. I'm like, these suck. Like, let's throw them out. Let's get rid of them. Things like a wine list where, you know, wine lists really aren't COVID safe because you can't sanitize every page of a wine list and make sure that that's safe for the next guest. So we had to kind of rethink that and whether or not we did that digitally or do we have like a um, a one per person disposable list, which meant we had to reduce the number of wines that we had. You know, like all of these considerations that we had to, to make with reopening and, and that we're still working on right now. Um, because, you know, once borders do open as well and people start coming from um, overseas, like we want to let them know that they can have confidence in what we do and we're not just like, you know, that that vibe where we're like laissez-faire, like, eh, you know, we, we're pretty safe over here so, like, we don't really need to worry about going the extra, like, mile, you know. Um, that's been really like interesting to to think about and also thinking about how our experience extends beyond the restaurant because with a lot of these covid safe measures you're really taking a lot of that service element away you know like being at a table for a period of time and chatting like these are all touch points that we have to be super aware of and once you start taking that away you're like oh you know the last thing we want is for our experience to be cold and to seem sterile because that's just not who we are so you know trying to come up with ways of extending that experience but beyond the restaurant so we've we've now introduced a little survey that we give to people once they book the restaurant and so you know instead of like once they're at the restaurant saying, you know, like, what are your dietary requirements? I mean, it's all in the booking process anyway, but we used to call everybody and do that. Um, now we've, we get people to fill out a, a questionnaire. We find out how comfortable they are dining in a restaurant because there are some people who are super nervous and don't want you to be at the table. And so if that's the case, we want to know that before you arrive. So there's an option to put that in the survey saying like, I would like less interaction at my table. And then it goes through, you know, where it, where you would normally build rapport at a table for that first, you know, five, 10 minutes, getting a feel for who they are and what they want. A lot of that is going to diminish because time is a big, big thing. We need to fill our restaurant, fill it fast and then reset it. And so, you know, we're not going to get that time to really personalize or build rapport at the beginning of the meal. So within our survey, we've put, you know, what style of service, like how can we make you feel more, more most comfortable? Do you want quiet and romantic? Do you want us to entertain you? Do you want, you know, chatty and interactive? Like, cause there are some people who love just that contact, you know, and, and want to know more. But then there are other people who just prefer to be left alone and they're having, you know, a quiet romantic dinner and, you know, they're not there to see you. They're there to spend time with their significant other or whoever they've, they've come to dine with. So there's, there's the option for us, for them to tell 
us how they would like their service and so that we can put that all into our booking notes and before they've even arrived we've got an idea of like what that guest wants from the experience and how we can best you know give that to them i remember a long time ago um being served by you at tetsuyu's and also bentley as well you've worked at some pretty extraordinary restaurants um in your career what, what's been some of the pivotal moments for you along your career so far? Oh, well, I mean, you've named two of the most important places that I've worked at. Um, Tetsuya's was amazing. Like I would say probably oh, almost all of my friends have worked at Tets at some stage. Um, and, you know, my inner circle of friends pretty much all come from Tets. We all worked there together. It was such a foundation for me, not only in my skills and understanding what a dining experience could be, but just in forming relationships and that support network that has carried me through my career. Um, I'm incredibly grateful to have landed a job there and to have worked with the people that I did because it, it definitely formed a lot of who I am and what I care about in this industry. Um, the Bentley, again, was just so awesome and the opposite like in so many ways of Tets because it was fast-paced, you had to do everything yourself. It was hard working at Bentley but it made me um, really good at multitasking and being fast on my feet and, under, you know, knowing but just being exposed to wine was really great. And it was just such a great team as well, like working there with Nick and Brent but um, also Glenn Goodwin who's still there. Like there are so many people who are part of the Bentley group who were still there years and years and years on and I think that that's definitely a testament to, you know, their their identity as like as a group and you know like yeah it was just it was as a fun it was a hard place to work but it was fun um yeah and then Duke was my first managing gig and that was crazy was, I was only there for a year but I learned a lot <laughs> um and yeah I mean yeah look I think that every single place that I've worked has shaped me definitely um, and has given me tools to prepare me for the next sort of thing that I've moved on to. And I've been at Sayoba now for eight years. Wow. Which is crazy because I didn't think that I would stay at Sayoba. I was just like, oh, I'll just come and help you guys out for a bit because, I like, you know, Momo, when Momo came to Sydney, it was a pretty big deal. And I was just, I was at Duke at the time and I was just so envious. I was like, that would be so sick to just, see how they operate and work and yeah I just ended up staying <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned earlier about how you needed some time to breathe before the pandemic and then the pandemic has allowed you some time to do that and and think about yourself and well has that affected your approach to your role now uh yes and no like I think that I I definitely feel so I feel like I've healed through this time and I feel like I've found myself a lot more. Um, so coming back, you know, I just, I feel like I've, whereas 
you know, before the pandemic, I kind of felt like the whole weight of the world was on my shoulders. Now I'm just like, you know what? I'm happy to be back at work. I'm happy to be back around people. Like I think I realize like how much I love it and how much I care about it. It's given me like this renewed, um, I don't know, sense of enjoyment for my work. And I'm really trying not to take it too seriously, you know, understanding that I love it and it's definitely a big part of who I am, but I just can't, I've got it, I can't take it so seriously that it destroys me because it's just, yeah, I don't want to get there again, you know, and I've had the opportunity to reset and take care of myself and, I know that that's sort of really important. And if I'm going to be any good to anybody else, like I really need to do that. So I'm just trying to have as much fun as possible and not, yeah, not take myself too seriously. (laughs) Well, you guys are opening up pretty soon and it's been a long period of time. Uh, It must be getting exciting. How, How are you going to feel when you first welcome guests back into the restaurant? Oh, I think that, I mean, I'm actually getting emotional when you just like said that I'd don't think I've actually thought about that, you know, like actually opening the doors and having, seeing our regulars again. Like we've got amazing regulars who have just been so supportive of us throughout this whole pandemic. That is going to be super emotional, I think. Um, It's nerve wracking because it's like opening a whole new restaurant again and, you know, but Yeah, I'm super excited for it. I'm just, I can't wait. I can't wait. Like we're going to be launching a whole new menu. It's going to be completely different to what we did before. It's still a tasting menu, um, but a whole new menu, which I am so excited about because Paul's cooking is so, so good. Yes, I agree. You know, I haven't like, I mean, obviously we've talked about, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we've, we've talked, we've talked about the menu, but to be honest, I'm just like, you You do whatever, like we'll work it out because I have so much faith in your cooking. Like I know it's going to be great. Like if everybody just does them, you do you and like let's just have fun with it, like it's going to be great. If we're all having fun and loving what our, our what we do, then I, yeah, I just think that, that's so important coming back into into this after everything that's happened and you know who knows like <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen in the, in the next months and you just kind of can't overthink things too much or try to plan too much i think living in the moment and being present is so important and that's what coronavirus has definitely taught me um so yeah, seeing Paul cooking again will be will make me so happy and just yeah, being with my team and serving people and feeding people and seeing them happy I think will just be really really great. Well, one of the good things about not being a restaurant critic anymore is that I can name who my favorites are um without feeling guilty <laughs> about it. <laughs> and as and as you know, the last date night that my wife and I had in Sydney before we left Sydney was actually at your restaurant and um, there was a good reason for that because we love what you guys do and Paul's food's amazing and um, it's just really exciting to hear that 
you know, you guys are opening again. Oh, thank and, you. Um, hopefully, hopefully one day we can um, come back to Sydney and sit at the sit at the kitchen again and um, have a cracking feed because it's um, an, an amazing restaurant. Oh, that's such a nice like that. That means so much, honestly. Like it, it to hear that to hear that people. Um, love it and I respect you so much you know like like you said I've been serving you for quite a long time <laughs> um at many different places but yeah you know so we're so proud of what we do at Sayoba and we really do love it like we want to have fun with it and make it us as much as we can um and to hear that people love it means a lot it really does like that's kind of why you know that's why we do it that's why it, the long hours and being on your feet, like it doesn't, it amazes. That's something that I also realise, you know, being a bit of a slob throughout COVID <laughs> and then <laughs> trying to like just do things again. I'm like, man, like how did I used to just be on my feet all the time? But it does because when you, when you love what you do, like it's so energising. You don't even think about how much time you're, really on your feet you just you get through it and it's yeah I I definitely need to to get moving again (laughs) so work's gonna help with that (laughs) um well um you and Paul and all the team your efforts are very much appreciated by many people and especially uh this family here but um really appreciate the chat today you've been extraordinary and um I knew it would be an amazing episode but um, keep in touch. Good luck with the opening and hopefully we see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, I, we would love to see you back in the restaurant soon. So fingers crossed it all goes well. But, we're yeah, we're just going to try to have as much fun as we can. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Kylie. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.